Welcome back, listeners, to the 20th episode of Pixels and Ink. Booyah! Yeah, we did it. We're at... We're at uh, Dad, dad, sweet 20. <laughs> we're at the sweet 20. Jeez. Um, so today we're joined by an awesome guest. His name is Ben Shank. He comes from Summit Direct Mail and Print, or Summit Print and Direct Mail, correct? Um, something interesting about him, which I think you'll find, yes, Direct Mail and Print are in their company names, but you'll hear him talk about how they lead with technology. Yeah, it was really interesting because he was saying that everybody uh, can print and mail, yep. right? And so if he walks into a company and says, hey, we can do your direct mail, they're going to say, well, can how, you do it cheaper? How low can you go? <laughs> right. So he's, he's found a way around that. And so we spend a lot of time talking about Ben's sales process. He's actually got a four step sales process that he's going to dive into and peel back the layers on so that you can understand how he goes about doing this. Yeah, we also get a chance to hear some of the key questions that they lead with to uncover challenges and for them really areas of opportunity to bring higher value to their customers. So, um, you know, it's, it's really interesting because some of these questions are just little pokers, you know, to uncover pain points. And I think that these will be tools that you can then take to your customers if you are a service provider. And then if you are a corporate marketer, you can also think about, hey, what are we doing in these arenas? You know, how is this affecting our marketing? And as you know, we're in the midst of a series on pearls, pearls, personalized URLs. That's right. So we're going to spend some decent time today talking about how personalized URLs fit into the mix for Ben, how he incorporates them into his campaigns and the types of things that he does to prove their effectiveness. Right. A-B testing, he mentioned, is, yep. a, is a big part of how he actually gets customers on board and how he convinces them of the opportunity that's ahead for them. So you, you don't want to miss that. Yeah, so tune in, listen to the episode, make sure to follow us on our blog and leave comments and reviews on our iTunes and Stitcher. Again, we announce winners and we have a weekly drawing, so make sure to tune in. All right, let's go hang out with Ben. Woo! So welcome, Ben, to the show. Thanks for uh, spending time with us today. How are you? Hey, we're good. So uh, tell us, Ben, a little bit about yourself. Um, who are you when you're not working? Maybe a little bit about your your family and uh, the kind of guy that you are outside of work. I am Ben Shank. I am one of the national sales representatives at Summit Direct Mail based in Dallas, Texas. I live in Louisville, Kentucky, the home of the Kentucky Derby. I've got two kids, a wife and a dog, and um, that's really about it. I'm a, I'm a pretty passionate sales guy, and the rest of the time, um, just having fun with my family. I didn't know you have a dog, Ben. And what's your dog's name? Lucky Bowser. Lucky Bowser? Oh, that's sweet. He's a West Highland Terrier. So now that we know a little bit of who you are as an individual outside of work, I'd love to, for you to tell us a little bit more. You said um, what you are at the company and who Summit is, but why don't you tell us about your role specifically and what you do on a daily basis and about Summit in general? Summit Direct Mail has been around for about uh, 12 years now. I joined them in 2009. I had known the owner for some time. I've been in direct marketing in all facets for about 20 years now. Basically, uh, I work as one of the national sales representatives. Uh, we go around calling on um, a lot of national financial services companies, uh, direct-to-consumer marketers, uh, a lot of business in the lead generation area where uh, companies are trying to generate more leads. In the late 90s, they started selling uh, production services for high-volume mailers and uh, uh, joined them nine years ago. And, and since then, we've just continued to grow the company to very large, uh, independent, privately held high-volume mail shops. So, Ben, right now we're in the middle of a series where we're talking about direct mail and personalized URLs. And I know that's something that you've had quite a bit of experience with over the past um, five or six years or maybe even more. 
Uh, so what we would like to know from you is how you got your start with Pearls, personalized URLs. What was it that initially brought you to them? And um, how did you get up and running initially using them for your customers? Um, I joined Summit in 2007. And when I joined them, they had just finished beta testing some campaigns for Citibank. Um, and they taught, they had just proven in some studies uh, that they could list the number of converted and booked loans uh, by adding the personalized URL. So, you know, our team, you know, shared that expertise and knowledge with me. And um, what we quickly found as a sales representative at Summit is that uh, many of our you know, competitors weren't using them with high-volume national direct-to-consumer marketing campaigns. Mm -hmm. uh, so in the first test we'd ever done, we could not only at times lift response, but more importantly, we can actually reduce call center costs. And, you know, once I had that knowledge and expertise, then, you know, I, I quickly realized that that was something that I should add to um, our box of services that we sold. And so we've been doing that since that time. But prior to coming to Summit, you had never been a part of a Pearl campaign or heard of Pearls when you were working in direct marketing. You just you were exposed to it at Summit. I had never seen one at all. I had never seen a Pearl until Summit Direct Mail introduced them to me, and I know they were, you know, what I know they've been around before then, but I'll consider them a very early uh, adapter of the technology. So, Ben, you mentioned that many of your campaigns are direct to consumer, and I take that to mean B two C primarily. Do you also do B two B campaigns, or have you focused or found uh, the personalized URL to work most effectively in your B two C campaigns? I use them in both business to consumer and. Uh, business to business campaigns. Okay. Um, you know, like like anything else, uh, you're always looking to maximize the ROI on any campaign. And um, you know, business consumer B2B, both in the lead generation world, uh, the majority of the work I do has been very successful. You said that you experimented with them on large volume of direct mailers, and that you noticed that many of your competitors weren't using pearls on large volume. So tell me about the kind of volume you guys do monthly of direct mail pieces at Summit. Summit Direct Mail has the capability of dropping about a million pieces of mail a day. Wow. Um, in a typical month, um, you know, just on some of the campaigns that I manage, and of course I'm one of uh, half a dozen sales reps at Summit, uh, but I myself will do uh, – several million pearls in any typical month for uh, any of our national direct uh, mail clients. Um, and it's, you know, from several vertical categories from, you know, finance, financial services uh, to insured and um, other lead generating programs that we do. So, Ben, we love to get into some of the details of these types of campaigns. You've mentioned lead generation and uh, call center and uh, direct mail. I'm just wondering if you could kind of break it apart for us in terms of the marketing workflows that you typically create. What do they look like? How do they work? Um, just at a high level so we can get a sense for the types of campaigns that you provide your customer. Essentially, you know, a lot of the work that we brought in on clients, uh, they're customers who historically used, uh, for, say, a lot of business reply mail as a lead generating mechanism and then you know over the, over the years that's become a very unpopular methodology okay and so that's something we actually have been helping take out of the workflow for our clients um, because we've basically said to them do you think you have a better chance at closing the lead if you could communicate with them faster so uh, in our workflow what we've helped teach our clients is let's encourage them to go online uh, because that's the fastest way to communicate 
let's discourage them a little bit from getting on the phone. And at times I've completely taken the phone number off there. Hmm. Uh, and then from, from a workflow perspective, uh, you know, people from a time perspective, they like to communicate online. So, you know, we use that part, we take advantage of that, we promote it uh, as a personalized URL and put on the piece, very easy to see, very easy to uh, get the attention. And when we do that, you know, we're enabling our clients the ability to respond faster and in, in some cases get answers back faster about the service that they might be interested in from the mail campaign. So uh, from a workflow perspective, obviously, uh, you know, we take the traditional mail piece that our client has and we, you know, recommend some modifications and then we test out of it and prove to them that by making changes to their mail piece that we can hopefully take some stress off their call center uh, and ultimately get them better analytics that they get using our personalized URL technology. When we're doing the mail campaign, they're able to log in and they get a very, very quick read uh, directly from the dashboards that we provide them using your platforms. How does your customer learn about who's interacting with the campaign in this sort of fast way? You know, how does that impact them? Well, every single client automatically gets a dashboard to log in and the majority of them also like to have lead notification devices. So, uh, you know, with the dashboards that we offer them, they're able to see in real time every visitor by day. They can actually look up campaign detail. Then they can sort by campaign. They can look at how many mail pieces, when the mail piece was mailed, you know, what time they came in, how many times they came to the dashboard. And, of course, the beauty of all this is they know exactly who came um, and we know who all of our abandoning traffic is, which is some of the most valuable data there is. And in addition to that, many of my clients will say, we also like to get lead notifications because, you know, we may have sales reps all over the country and we need those sales reps to be able to engage very quickly uh, so we don't have time to redistribute a lead. So we'll send notifications out directly to sales reps that are located all over the country where the sales rep can then uh, uh, outbound call or create their own custom mail campaign uh, directly to the uh, original responder on the mail campaign. So when you say that these campaigns typically reduce, I think you said reduce stress on the call center, tell us a little bit more about that. What are you seeing in terms of the benefit to your customer with respect to the call center? Yeah, so call center minutes are very expensive. Um, and then the other problem our call centers have is that they have to control uh, you know, pipe, you know, peaks and valleys in usage. And, you know, they always want to be able to respond to the client. Right. Um, you know, it's a well-known fact that, you know, an online response is the cheapest way to receive a response if you can get one. Um, so anything you can do to encourage customers to take advantage of your online response mechanism, um, it, it's going to be cheaper. But uh, as far as the stress of a call center, you know, when I have clients dropping a million pieces at once, if they want to drive phone calls and, everyone happens to respond on Monday, I could potentially overwhelm my call center, leave people waiting, waiting longer than they should be waiting uh, to get a response. Whereas if they go online and have an excellent experience, they can get that information immediately. So when you're talking about putting these personalized URLs on your direct mail pieces or um, anything that you're sending out, you know, your pieces of mail, tell me about the creative and the wording and how does, or if it does at all, or if it doesn't, how does the creative and the messaging support the pearl? You know, is there, is there some sort of formula you have or does your uh, client, you know, give you the artwork or how does that work? Some of direct mail, we, as a high-volume direct mail marker, we also are a high-volume digital printer. Uh, we do everything I can, we can on our side to make our print reflect our mail. 
since we can print variable digital dynamically on our inkjet web presses, uh, we build our campaigns essentially to match that. Um, we have our in-house creative team that helps us design some of the campaigns. We also have customers who prefer to design their own uh, their their own pages, um, and then ultimately we take that. Uh, we either design them, uh, we either build them ourselves, or we work with the Mindfire team, the Mindfire project management teams, and they actually help us build some of the pages as well. Now, Ben, you mentioned the lead notifications a few minutes ago that, that you embed into these campaigns. And I know because we've worked together for a couple of years now that you were kind of the, the creator of this, this idea of the no action trigger, right? And I would love for you to share that with our audience and just tell us kind of about the the thing that the no action trigger does for you and what it does for the customer. So essentially, there's always going to be that bucket of tire pickers. You know, it, you know, another name for it might be tire picker, I guess. Uh, there's always those folks who uh, are always going to come by and take a look. And even though they're not ready to buy right now, they're still kicking the tires and they might buy one day. Okay. Um, we've worked our marketers over time to uh, say, even though they didn't take any particular action, this is somebody that we need to rethink in our database and we need to determine a next plan of action for. So do we drop them in our marketing automation campaign? And do they become a new uh, segment of list or population? And most of the customers I work with, it becomes a very important audience over time that they're doing some sort of remarketing to. Interesting. So tell me about the marketing automation. Does this mean that it, besides the people who raise their hand and say, yes, call me now, that you then put some of these other people into a drip campaign? And, and you know, tell me about that process. Obviously, you know, using several of the Mindfire products, we're able to take the people who you know, if they didn't complete the transaction now, now we've got them identified as somebody that we want to complete the transaction. So we're taking them and we're putting them into uh, possibly email campaigns. It could be a secondary direct mail campaign. It could be an email followed by a direct mail campaign. Um, and in each case, uh, you know, we're ultimately working with a new audience. And the great news is that in most cases, our customers, um, they're not having to remail a whole audience. Um, it's, you know, very simple metrics. These are people that came and uh, kick the tires so there's a higher level of interest than the people they mailed the first time. Ben, one of the things we hear from some of our, our uh, partners and our clients and those in the industry is that when they implement these campaigns for customers, let's say they're implementing it for a, a company like the one that you're working for, or the companies you work for, that in some cases the sales team there at the company doesn't follow up on the leads or doesn't follow up on the leads quickly. So I guess a two-part question here for you. Have you ever found that to be the case where your customer just doesn't have the infrastructure or the process in place to follow up on leads quickly? And if so, what do you do to help them get where they need to be? Yes, that is the case. Oftentimes, uh, you know, particularly when we've done programs that were, say, to the franchise sector, um, you know, it's a great concept. We really was able to generate brand, uh, leads for one of the franchises I knew. But at the end of the day, um, you know, many of the leads we were generating uh, would would never follow up. Now, in the franchise scenario, you know, your each franchise would be an independent, so there was very little opportunity to push them along to do what you wanted to. The corporate really didn't have control. Um, in other situations, uh, when you're not getting the follow up, you have padded yourself and built yourself a butter buffer when you're uh, using the personalized URL. You're you're able to automatically send out notifiers the minute a person responds to anything. And you can actually build it as part of your campaign and your program. And to me, that helps your responder uh, feel like they're not being neglected, even if it does take you 
you know, a day or two days because you can even put text in your message that says, you know, thank you for your interest. We're going to have, you know, it's going to take us 72 hours to respond to your, to your call. So, um, or to your submission. So, uh, anyway, that would be a way we would deal with it. Things of that nature, you know, using our automated, you know, email that we can bounce back to a responder, things like that. So Ben, let's take it one step back from the initial engagement with the customer and just kind of um, learn a little bit more about how you actually find these customers. So, you know, do you do your own marketing to find prospective customers? Do you go to trade shows? Do you cold call? What do you do? What does Ben do to find new customers? So Summit Direct Mail actually does its own lead generation campaign. <laughs> we okay. use the personalized URL. One of our most successful campaigns ever. One of our most successful campaign ever was one using a personalized URL. <laughs> and uh, there was nothing like being one of three salespeople going to a trade show, uh, splitting up our 27 leads before we ever got there. Uh, I can't speak to a better <laughs> B2B case study than our own. <laughs> We've only mailed out a couple hundred people. Uh, that's about as exciting as it gets because you basically, you know, you could never have called that many people, set that many appointments. Um, but when you're able to get that many people to uh, respond to you and say, yes, I'm interested, um, you know, you've made your life a lot easier. Beyond that, we do a lot of national trade shows. We've gone heavy in the verticals that we know well. Um, you know, I myself happen to know the financial services vertical fairly well. Um, and, uh, you know, we're some in the nonprofit and some in the investment advisory services. Uh, but uh, those would just be my personal. And then as a whole, Summit op is involved in everything from fulfillment services to doing loyalty programs for some of the largest hotel and airline chains. So when you say you have a specialty or, or a focus in financial services, what, I was say. What, what, do you, <laughs> what do you do to actually find those companies? How do you find more of those companies? We've identified several you know, verticals that we're strong in. And, and once we've identified the verticals that we perform well in, you know, I, I, for one, happen to know credit card. When I first got involved in this business, one of the companies I was working for had a credit card company as a client. You know, and then you actually can go out there and you can actually you know, identify like companies. And, of course, as we've gotten into financial services more and more, that's what we've done over and over again. You know, once we've got a mortgage, mortgage, we've identified there's, you know, uh, approximately, you know, 25 companies in mortgage that we'd like to work for, 25 in credit card, personal loans, uh, auto loans, you know, all along those lines, uh, and then we hit trade shows throughout the year uh, in those in those spaces to continue to be in front of that audience. You said, you know, we prove to them that they're going to get either a faster or higher response rate. So when you approach your client and say, listen, we see that you're doing direct mail pieces like this, and we want to start to make some modifications so that we can get you a higher response rate or get you better results or convert at a higher rate, do you typically start out with a test for them or do you go right in? You know, what's the, what's the sales process with that? Do you, do you offer something up front to prove it? You know, what do they typically request from you? And then how do you show them that it's going to add value? Generally, Summit Direct Mail, you know, we never want to find to make drastic changes. Uh, if something's been working for them, then what we want to do is help them test out of what's been working to test into something better. We'll generally do a 50-50 split, do a true A-B test, and then we'll take that split and, and um, we will use that as science to, you know, start selling the, the results, basically. Um, and we generally, um, you know, because we are a direct mail production manufacturer will oftentimes uh, help participate uh, in, in, in some of the costs just because we believe so strongly in the concept. We'll participate in the you know, initial testing costs because we want to get them set up and testing 
uh, just so that we can further respond. I see. Mm, Got it. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And then you also mentioned the A-B split test that you sometimes do at the beginning of an engagement with a customer. And I imagine you continue to do that through the life cycle of, of the work that you're doing with the customer. I'm curious to know, have you ever found a result of an A-B split test that really surprised you? Like, uh, you know, you thought, okay, for sure, this is going to win. And then it ends up being completely wrong and you learn something completely new. You know, I think the only thing that I've ever found, and, and maybe I, I've not been surprised by it, I think that you find that some audiences maybe are less responsive. Maybe it's the demographics associated with them. Um, I think over time, um, you know, the audiences that maybe uh, are older, again, you know, may be less responsive. Uh, but as far as being surprised, I think the, the worst outcome I've ever seen would be uh, that it didn't impact the campaign at all that enough to justify uh, the return on the investment. And, and to me, that, that was a great thing because we said, well, you know, well, we know we don't ever hurt ourselves, but there may be just that, that exception that maybe the audience just doesn't have to happen to fit the exact demographic that we're used to, you know, that our responders need to hit to make this justify return on the investment. Um, and so that's rise I've had, which I, I think is a great thing, actually. Ben, I want to unpack some of the stuff that you said there. One of the things that caught my attention was when you mentioned that you're finding or that you've seen BRCs, business reply cards, uh, dwindling in use or maybe in effectiveness. And I'm just wondering if you can tell us from your perspective why that is and what you're seeing. Yeah, you know, some of it's just the aging population that we're dealing with. So when we talk about the business reply mail, um, you know, generally if you're working with an older population, uh, say, uh, magazine subscriptions. Unfortunately, the younger population doesn't subscribe to magazines like the older population does. Right. Um, and if you're in the magazine fulfillment business, unfortunately, you're going to receive quite a bit of your subscriptions back, uh, your subscription renewals back in the mail. Mm -hmm. uh, and those people, if you did a chart of the age of the people that are responding by the mail, um, you're going to find that many of the people are um, you know, older in age, whereas the people who uh, are coming online respond to the younger in age. So really it's, you know, this is kind of a, just a sign of the changing of the times. We see it every year is that uh, less and less people are preferring to respond by mail. You know, you do have to pay for a stamp. Everyone has access to a computer and a smartphone, and there's a preference to respond, you know, online with the younger generations. And so, Ben, when you find a customer or a prospective customer, I should say, that y you think is uh, or, or that you find is interested and agrees to a meeting with you, what is it that you find yourself selling? What is it that you're actually providing them? All of our experience originally came from printing and mailing services. That was all we understood. And, of course, over the years, I've been fortunate enough to accumulate a lot of knowledge along the way. When I meet with a client and I, I'm going to have my initial meeting with them, one of the first things I want to do is say, can I take a look at your mail piece? I would like to um, take a look at your mail piece. I'd like to have my team review it. We bring it back to our experienced team at Summit who has, uh, you know, half a dozen people here who, who've all got 20-plus years, you know, on the sales and marketing side. Uh, we'll review that mail piece and we'll say, what could we do to make that mail piece better? And, of course, one of the things we first look at is the personalized URL. Does it fit for that piece and for their audience? Um, and then we go through that piece and we start identifying how can we improve it, and then we present that to the customer when we sit down with them and we say, here's the ideas we came up with to help you improve your mail piece. So that's a three-step process, what I hear you saying. Number one is get a sample piece. So give us an example of something you're already doing. 
Number two, you take it back to yep. the office and with half a dozen people, uh, you look at it and you guys come up with, you guys and girls come up with ideas. And then third, you take that back to the customer and propose those ideas to the customer. Am I hearing you right? That's absolutely. And then beyond that, as a company, Summit as a whole, you know, we do provide the printing and mailing services, but a lot of our energy is talking about what you can do beyond the printing and the mailing of it is how do you really do the lead nurturing? You know, what, how many leads are you really losing? Um, what are you doing with the leads that you're losing? What's happening to those people? And if you could just capture a few more sales off the leads that you're losing, you know, how would that change your life? And that's, unfortunately, that, that uh, is always uh, something that gets everyone's attention uh, very quickly is the leads they're losing. You know, if they could just close just a few more leads, that always gets everybody's attention, actually. Where do you work that into the conversation, Ben? Is that something that you do in the initial meeting? Is that something that you do as part of the uh, presentation that you're doing once you've digested their mail piece? Where where do you work that in? Yeah, so essentially, once we go back and give our initial meeting and have our initial recommendations, you know, the first thing, you know, some of the, some of the questions that we really dive into is tell us about your CRM system, which, you know, that's an odd question for the direct mail and letter shop to ask is, Tell us about your CRM system, and the reason you're asking that is because you want to know from them, are are you tracking all the communications you're doing with your customers and prospects? And oftentimes, you'll hear, no, we're not. And that always tells us that there's an opportunity there for marketing automation for us to introduce more technology, more services using you know, a partner like MindFire and uh, you know opportunities to continue to touch uh, the folks, whether it be mail, email, text, you know, more time. When you go back with this information and you start asking them thought-provoking questions like, what are you doing to follow up? Do you use a CRM? You know, this is what we think we could help with. How are these companies typically responding? Are they receptive? Are they shocked? Are they like, wow, I've never seen this sort of thing before or tell me more? Is there anyone like, no, we don't want to do that. You know, tell me about the responses that you typically get from these people. Uh, they oftentimes, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, express that, you know, we've wanted all these things, you know, and then they, they look at us and, you know, we tell them some of the things we can do using marketing automation, whether it be the direct mail or these other channels, and they say, you know, they didn't, they had not had a partner approach them that can help them hmm. deploy those methods or, or present them and deploy them to them. So when they meet us, they're kind of excited. It usually creates a new engagement for them. And oftentimes we are not a CRM provider, uh, but we kind of explain to them, okay, it's okay if you don't have a CRM system, but what can we do without that? Mm. You know, let's work around it, you know, because you can still have success and increase your uh, overall campaign response to your identified audiences and even work around that. Uh, because in oftentimes cases we're working with, you know, uh, companies that do hundreds of millions of dollars um, in services to their customers uh, and to implement a CRM system is, a, is would be a many, many fold process. It would take many, many years to do. Oftentimes, it's a process that's actually going on in the background that may take years to actually implement. So if a company says that they do have a CRM or a company says that they don't have a CRM or the third possibility is that they're implementing one, in each of those cases, you take that as a signal that helps you understand how to approach the customer? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You know, there, there's, I mean, it, if they... If they, you know, if they have a CRM system, then they have a lot of data that's available to them that they're probably not capitalizing on. And, you know, when they start talking about modern marketing automation, if they don't have one, they probably need some of the analytics that we can provide in our reporting uh, because they're probably fairly desperate to get some reporting and analytics. Um, so, yes, in every scenario, it creates an opportunity. 
And then once you look at the different issues that they have or the different areas for opportunity, how do you actually come up with the solution? In other words, a lot of the times we hear from our listeners and from folks that we talk to that, you know what, I can hear about the problems that these customers have, but then when it comes to actually applying technology to them, I'm not sure how to do that. So I'm wondering how do you, how does Ben do it? How do you actually get that done? Yeah, so it's interesting, you know, we, we meet with clients who are, you know, like I said, they're, they, they'll employ thousands of employees or hundreds of employees either way. And they'll say to us, you know, unfortunately marketing is very do, low down in the, uh, in the information technology queue. If they need any support on the technology side, they, they, they oftentimes are maybe the lowest behind uh, people who offer, you know, behind other services that the company already needs done and performed by their technology department. Sure. And so what we offer them ultimately is outsource third-party uh, marketing services for uh, technology. And so, you know, with the MyFar partnership we've had, uh, we have uh, some things that we've done using uh, simple software solutions that are your current standard software that, that uh, we utilize on a daily basis, or we've taken it to next levels where we have customers who spent, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in development, uh, creating their own proprietary custom, highly customized program. And how do you architect that solution? So I'm just wondering, like, once you hear these problems, are you able to, Ben, do you see like a solution in your mind's eye? Or do you go to somebody on your team and you say, okay, here are the problems that the customer has. Here are some ideas that I have, but let's come up together with a solution. How does that process actually come together? You know, if, if it's something that we're using our standard, you know, Mindfire marketing technology and platforms that we already have in place, uh, if we identify it as at that level, then obviously – uh, then your software is self-supporting. We can implement our own campaigns and manage themselves. If it's somebody who needs a custom solution, then we would bring in the MindFire team um, and actually go ahead, sit through, understand the needs, do an evaluation of everything that is needed, and we'd actually come together with MindFire to help propose a solution to the customer. Tell me a little bit more about the sales cycle. So we obviously we identified the three steps or four steps that you take once you uh, meet a new prospective customer, you get their direct mail piece, you do some evaluation, you go back with some recommendations. How long typically is this back and forth between you and the customer? You know, at what point are they, you know, how long does the testing process work? And then after that testing, assuming that everything goes, you know, as planned, how do you then start to roll out the rest of their direct mail piece volumes? In a typical sales cycle, you know, oftentimes it'll be, you know, up to a year before I actually perform my first test for someone that I've been working with for a year. Um, you know, it's, it's not because we can't move quickly on our end. It's, it's mainly because, um, you know, in, in our situation, we have a long-term sales cycle with the size clients we pursue. Um, obviously, if this is somebody who's a small mailing, 20,000, 30,000 pieces, well, you know, a lot of small campaigns come in. We could be off the ground in, you know, three months. But when we're working with large, high-volume national direct marketers, uh, it's hard to move quickly. They have maybe their test planned up for an entire year in advance. Um, uh, so, you know, we'll start with, uh, in our sales cycle, you know, we'll probably start to be as much as a year before we do our initial testing. Once we've done our initial testing, um, we've uh, got our mail out there, and it's probably uh, 90 days before we feel like we have all the responders in. And then once we have all the responders in, it's going to be another 90 days of analytics before we're back ready to make a decision if we're in a rollout phase. So you could be talking as much as 18 months before you've made a decision to do a rollout on a higher volume campaign. 
Interesting. And then because there's such a long process here, how do you, how are you pricing these campaigns? Is there monthly fees? Is there a retainer? Is there setup? You know, tell me about the how you charge your customers. Summit, for the most part, we charge our clients for custom development when it's required. We do everything we can to avoid custom development, just as MyFire always has. Um, and generally, we work in the same way our mail pieces are priced. Mail pieces are priced in a per thousand basis, per thousand mail pieces, uh, or per piece, which would be essentially the same thing. We've always priced our personalized URL and marketing automation technology uh, along the same methodology. You're paying for only what you use. Uh, we don't charge, you know, uh, a lot of upfront fees for, you know, hosting and maintenance unless they're looking for a solution that would allow them to do some uh, continuous contact management on their side uh, where they could manage databases. And that, that would be a different, a different set of circumstances when we got into situations like that when they need to manage contacts on a database. Now, tell us a little bit about the type of people that you have on your team, Ben. What kind of resources do you need, let's say, once you get the customer um, and they're ready to roll something out? What kind of people do you need specifically with respect to the marketing automation and personalized URL stuff? So, Summit Direct Mail has uh, its own uh, creative team, its own project management team. And in addition to that, we have an account management team. Well, th those are teams pertaining to the online. And then we also have uh, an account management team. Uh, where we have a primary and backup account management team. The, the traditional account management team at Summit uh, works on the print and letter shop side. Uh, our project management team that's on the technology side, uh, essentially uh, they coordinate, they oversee every campaign, they work directly with the programmer to ensure files are created properly, uh, uploaded properly, they're tested, they're refined, they work with, directly with the MindFire team uh, to uh, ensure the campaign is being uh, built properly, executed properly. If they run into problems, they'll go directly with you guys. If it's things that our team can't do ourselves, uh, then they'll come to my part for the support. And so you mentioned programmer or programmers on your side. What what do you find that those people have to do? What kind of work are they doing to support these campaigns? So our programmers actually have it have it fairly easy. Most of their work, just like any mail campaign, is on the data preparation side. It's preparing the data to have a personalized URL applied to it making sure the data is in the right field, in the right format, in the right place, uh, making sure the variables have been called up properly. If they're going to use variable images, is the right image in the right field? Um, is, is it whatever it is we're using to flag and call it certain records to have certain imagery or text show on the personalized URL? So um, our, our programmer is actually working to prepare the data file as their level of work. Okay. Now, what about for, let's say, like emails or landing pages and microsites? Um, is that the same person that's creating the HTML for that? Or how do you actually uh, create the HTML that's supporting the email or the landing page? Actually, well, for, for the landing pages and the email pages, um, our programmers don't generally get involved in that at all. That's where we work with creative teams uh, and have creative teams actually uh, present and furnish their HTML to us to utilize in the campaign. And so that's actually a different skill set. So that'd be one of our creative team members. Because the reason I'm asking is that sometimes we have folks who say that that's a difficult part of the process. And usually it's from companies or from organizations that don't have uh, people or resources that know how to do the HTML or the design of the email on the landing page. And I was just wondering if you have any advice for those types of people who may not have those types of resources on hand, you know, because you've obviously figured out a way to handle it. And I guess it sounds like you have uh, people on staff that do that work. Am I hearing you correctly? We have folks on our team who are creative and can build their own HTML. Um, you know, yes, you do have a little bit of a divide sometimes because you have designers who can only design for, you know, production or print. Right. And so they're only accustomed to doing stuff offline. 
And so then it becomes a roadblock is like, well, I can't do things online. And, you know, only our web people do web and they're not really integrated with our, you know, our offline team that does direct mail marketing. And so in a lot of cases we'll say, well, why don't you have your designer who designed your mail pieces design what you want the landing page to look like. And then we'll go ahead and implement the HTML code in the pages for you. Interesting. I'm not sure if you know this because you don't work in that department. Do you know what sorts of tools your designers use specifically along with your print software? You mean to create the HTML? Yeah, to create the HTML. No idea. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Leave that to the nerds. <laughs> I was just interested if you, if you guys had a tool that you found that worked easily. But um, we could maybe get you to ask those people and then come back to us at a later date. Yeah, that would be that. cool. Good idea. Ben, some of our, our guests, our previous guests, have had what they call a magic number. That's a, that's a dollar amount under which it really doesn't make sense for them to engage a new customer. And I'm just curious, do you have an approach like that where you think, okay, if, if my initial engagement with a customer is not, you know, X dollars, then this is not a good fit for Summit. This is not a good fit for Ben. Is there anything like that? I just know from past experience, oftentimes I can identify products that if the lead costs over a certain dollar amount, I know it's not going to be, uh, excuse me, if it costs under a certain dollar amount, I know uh, direct mail is not always the answer for every type of media, you know, for every type of uh, marketing uh, where you need to generate leads or, you know, find new customers. Direct mail is not always the answer, so that's why we have TV and radio. Some things just fit that better because maybe they're a much lower price point. So, yeah, oftentimes I will personally uh, look at opportunities, highly aware that if the cost per lead is or the cost to acquire a new customer is not above a certain dollar point, then the chances of using direct mail uh, go down, actually. Okay, so you look at it from that perspective. And then what, what are you comparing the cost of the lead to? Are you comparing it to some number or kind of range that you have in mind, or are you comparing it to what the product cost that your customer is selling? Really, it really just depends on the situation. But for example, if somebody says I need to generate leads and I'm like at $10 a piece, I know that um, it's going to be a really tough battle no matter what you're doing. And that's, that's, that's a great number. But with direct mail, um, and in most circumstances, when I've looked at different um, scenarios, it's been very difficult to do unless you're using something like shared mail, uh, or, um, you know, something online, things of that nature. And okay. Of course, oftentimes, obviously, the cheaper the lead, the lesser quality lead you're probably going to get also. You know, to me, I think, okay, you guys are a huge direct mail marketing or direct mail company. You obviously have tons of print equipment. You do a lot of print. But our conversation, because we're talking about Pearls, has been centralized around direct mail marketing, you know, using marketing automation and creating Pearls to add value to their campaigns. I'm interested, do you view, do you ever go in first with the print? Or do you ever, you know, is the, is the print sort of just bundled into, well, we're already doing these marketing services for you so maybe print is going to also be a part of it you know how does your print component come into your campaigns printing just happens to be what we do is how we look at it these days um it was originally our core business um however um i think what we've seen over the years is that many printers who can only print will oftentimes uh not be around for a very long time mm -hmm. you know you have to continue to learn a new skill set and so summit has always been uh at the forefront of the technology personalized urls being one of our big things that we've always used and so as far as the positioning of it and the bundling of it, um, essentially we'll often use uh, technology as their lead. It's often our lead uh, because people are, always say, I've already got a printer in a mailhouse. Why, why do I need you? Interesting. I've already got somebody that can do that. So tell us a little bit more about that. So you're saying the technology is the lead, and in what way do you, do you lead with it? How do you present that? Essentially, 
if I were to call every mailer and say, I can do it too, they're only going to say to me, can you do it cheaper? <laughs> right. Yeah. right. Yeah. And that doesn't mean, that does us no good whatsoever. So if I call them and say, I have some ideas that we might be able to do your mail pieces better, uh, whether not just the personalized URLs, it could be, you know, other marketing, you know, ideas that we have based on their experience, but we really try and sell uh, based on our marketing experience, you know, is it is it the envelope teaser? Is it the uh, is it maybe the uh, branding on the piece? You know, we've got the skill sets here where we uh, are able to understand the marketing side of it, and so we try and stay in the marketing world, and we do lead with technology often, um, and we lead with technology and marketing, and then the print and mail is just it's something else we do. Yes, we can do it too, but we look for those recommendations to say. So Ben, I'm wondering if you look back at your past experience and your talents, what is it that you think you've done in the past and the things that you're good at that have enabled you to be so successful at selling these types of campaigns? Because, you know, again, having known you for so long, I've seen you do a lot of great work for a lot of different customers where others fail, where others are not able to do the same thing. And I'm just wondering, what do you think it is about you that has enabled you to do that? We have been successful because as we've tested work with our clients, we've had many clients continue to go back after it. They would test it once, test it again. Uh, once we saw our early results and our early findings uh, back in 2007 and knew we'd been successful using this technology, um, you know, we have not gotten off that message, whereas a lot of people have moved on to newer fads, tried different things, but we've always stayed consistent with our message saying, you know, we know this works. This is one thing that works. And we do continue to add to our toolbox of uh, different uh, marketing services, uh, but I think we're successful because we actually understand the marketing side of direct mail, uh, which is more important than just understanding the uh, printing side or the letter shop side. Our customers need to talk about marketing, and so we talk about marketing, creative technology, uh, what's going to help them increase responses and help them ultimately lower, lower their cost per responder. You know, something interesting, Dave, that uh, keeps coming to mind is that we've asked Ben a lot of questions. Well, what about you, Ben? You, Ben, you, Ben. And all of his answers come back, we, 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 we. Which, for me, I know some of our other guests have said, you know, it's really important to have that culture in your organization that fosters creativity and forward thinking. And just based on you saying we, it seems like you guys at Summit are a team and forward thinking and you think and you have some organizational culture around working together. Do you feel like the organizational culture of Summit allows you or enables you to be successful? Do you think that has a you know, part in it? Yeah. You know, Summit Direct Mail is actually owned by an entrepreneur, and that's the best thing that ever happened to us because uh, every day we wake up when, when we get together and we say, you know, uh, we just can't keep doing the same thing over and over again because we're probably not going to be here tomorrow. Our owner has fostered an environment of complete uh, forward thinking. You know, let's move to the next technology. He's not been afraid to invest in that technology. Mm. Along the way, the folks that work together with me at our company uh, are constantly capitalizing on that. We get to take advantage of the investments he's willing to make. And then as a team, when I do say we, that's an absolute truth, uh, we've got uh, half a dozen people selling for us to, you know, hear the same story and, and follow it and, and hear the, that marketing is more important than just direct mail 
you know, that we have to do everything that goes along with direct mail, that just printing it and mailing it is, is not enough. And so, yes, our team here that consists of uh, people who focus on technology and people who focus on print and mail and marketing and creative and, and every aspect of it. That's awesome. And then I know one more thing that you said, which I've heard a lot of feedback from our listeners is, you know, sometimes they have to bring these new technologies to their owner and their owner's a bit hesitant. You know, we've been doing this for a certain amount of years and this is our bread and butter and this is what we want to, you know, want to stay to. Whereas you're saying an entrepreneur started your company who's forward thinking, who's willing to invest in technologies that going to take that's going to take you to the next level. So I think that's another key thing for our listeners to hear that, you know, if a lot of owners of companies are listening and owners, if you're out there, you know, take it from Ben that sometimes it takes you going a little bit more and investing in new technologies. If you keep doing the same thing that you've always been doing, you're going to get the same results. Whereas if you're forward thinking and you're willing to, you know, risk a little and push, put, put a little bit out, you're going to end up getting, you know, back. So Ben, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with us and tell us about your customers and your company. And it's been really great talking to you. Ben, one more question. Where can people find out more about you if they want to get in touch with you? Go to summitdm.com. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. And um, that's where we're located. Well, thank you, Ben, so much for spending time with us. All right. Thanks, you guys. Uh, you guys have a great day and uh, take care. Thank you so much for tuning in, Mindfire Nation. All you listeners are here and we appreciate it. We hope that you enjoyed the episode and you found it useful and applicable to your companies. Uh, make sure to head over to our website, mindfireinc, mindfireinc.com. Hover over the resources tab and hit blog so that you can get all of the blog and associated articles that go along with these podcasts and episodes. Uh, we also put a lot of show notes in there, uh, links to handy tools. Ben's contact information will be there so you can always reach out to him or or anyone at Summit. Um, by the way, if you guys missed the episode that we had with Mike Robinson, go back and check that out too, because he also works at Summit Print and Mail. So you might find that useful. Um, thank you for being with us, and we look forward to talking to you soon. Have a great rest of the day. Bye. Bye. Bye.